Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Philippians chapter 1, and let's talk about how to say, in a Bible way, how do we say goodbye to one another? Let's pick it up in verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. It's a good idea, isn't it? I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right, says Paul, for me and right for me too, Peter, today to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains. We can interpret that today to mean coffee chains. No, not really. Whether I am in chains. As Paul was when he wrote these words. Or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Saying goodbye is um, something that we all have to do in different ways. There's a context that we're thinking about a little bit today, but there's all sorts of ways in which we have to say goodbye. The word goodbye, the English word goodbye... I'm led to believe, unless this is an urban myth, but comes from the phrase, God be with ye. May God be with ye. Someone one day said, that's a bit of a mouthful. Let's change it to goodbye. But goodbye means, may God be with you, or may God be with ye. Saying goodbye, three things that I'm going to just bring up in front of you here. First of all, it is a part of life, isn't it? Nothing is forever. And um, it's a part of life that perhaps we don't like very much. Even young people don't like change. And uh, older people less so. It's a part of life and a painful one. When I think about saying goodbye at the graveside of a a loved one, my own mum last year, or for many of us here, dad, mum, son, daughter even, grandma. It's such a painful thing to have happen. And yet, when we move out of our heart and we move into our head, we know that it has to be. If people didn't die 
then Father Abraham would still be here. He probably wouldn't have many people going to his church, but he would still be here. If people didn't pass on, then Noah would be a weatherman on the BBC News right now. He'd still be here. He'd still be around, wouldn't he? It's going to be rain quite a lot. What's your other job, Noah? Oh, I work in the zoo over the weekend. It's a part of life, but a very painful one. And I think one of the things about saying goodbye is that quite often it's something we don't want to do and, and in one sense never even expect to do. I thought my mum would live forever. In my heart I did. Not in my head, but in my heart I did. And it's the same for all of us here. Our husband, our wife, our son, our daughter, our mum, our dad. We, we never plan for those close relationships to change. And what I really love about this passage, the way Paul is talking, he's talking about his affection for them. So he's not talking about a functional goodbye. He's talking about a goodbye that is costing for him emotionally. We see that goodbye is a vital adjustment for the future. And it is. Things have to change because God is doing something else. I don't, you know, don't, I don't need to pray for Phil and Emma to have God's anointing. They have it already. There's nothing that I can impart. There's no mystical event we're going to concoct. I'm not even going to pray for him today. Not because of out of, out of uh, lack of compassion or lack of concern, but because he has his own anointing from God. He doesn't need anything else. He needs the key to the mailbox, which I might give him later, but he doesn't need, uh, he doesn't need anything else. But here we're talking about an emotional thing for Paul. He says, I have you in my heart with all my, in all my affection for you, he says. And I have great affection for, for all of you. And uh, we, the reason it's sad is because of our love for each other. It's not sad because the jokes aren't going to be so good, although that is true. There's no getting away from that. It's a necessary change. And God is turning the page. And if God were not turning it, we would not be turning it. But God is turning the page. This is an amazing church. I love the anointing here. When I was at the college this week, just getting ready for stuff, all I could think about just sitting there on Tuesday night was that you were all here. And that I was missing out. Not just on the coffee and the friendship, but the anointing. There is an anointing of the Holy Spirit here among this great community. It's the most prized thing of the whole operation. The most prized, the most valuable thing of the whole of King's Church is the presence and the empowerment, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So it's a vital adjustment for the future. And for Christians, goodbye is always temporary. Always. When we bury, or sometimes of course uh, cremate someone we love today, as they have known Christ, 
and we have known Christ, we should see them again. One of the most amazing things that my mum said to me as I tried to lead her to the Lord uh, there in a hospice, I said, do you know that your father loved the Lord? And he did. My grandfather, the Salvation Army. Uh, officer, I think. Volunteer, certainly. And I said, if you give your life to the Lord, you will see your father again. And what she said next surprised me completely. She said, yes, she said. And I would also see you again. For Christians, goodbye is always temporary. That person you can't stand in the church, you're going to live with them forever. I'm your brother from another mother. When a a dad or mum puts a child to bed, they don't say to them, goodbye, do they? Do you? You say, "Um, goodnight, and we'll see you in the morning. And because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of the grace of God, we, we never have to actually say goodbye. The most we have to say is, See you in the morning. There's a phrase that's come into the English language. Those of you from non-English nations will know that everyone says, see you later. Even if they're not, in fact, going to see you later. So I'll give you that. In case you're from another country and you're worried that people are going to see you later. They're not really. It's just an expression we use. See you later. Alligator. But for Christians, there isn't goodbye. There's only ever see you later. See you later. And in this scenario with us, see you in two weeks. You say, well, couldn't we have had a longer night than that? (laughs) When loved ones pass on, it's not goodbye. It's good night. See you in the morning. See you soon. And we will. We will. So, My message is this, from the passage, how to say goodbye. Number one, if you've got Philippians 1 open, look at verse 3. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. How should a Christian say goodbye? With thanks. With thanks. We have uh, long enjoyed our time together. And when something comes to an end, it's not that we should now despise it because we've gained so much from it. Is that right? You can say goodbye to your dad. You could say goodbye even to your, to your children. But it's not for us to shake our fist at God and say, why have you taken this from me? Actually, as we were saying last week, much more the godly way to say thank God for every moment that we had together. I believe we live a lot happier living like that, in that world, in that zone, in our, in our mind. Not why has this happened, but thank God for all that we have enjoyed. Thank God for every time of fun and laughter. Thank God for every 
tear that we have shed um, together. I want to say this, and uh, in all my time here, and Jane, I think, would say the same. I know she will. We have never had so many friends as we have now. And we're glad of that. And I say, Lord, I'm going up the A1. But thank God for, thank God for what we have had. That's, I think, how we should always say goodbye. Thank God for what we have had. Not shaking our fist that it's over. But how wonderful the time that we have had. Paul writes these words in a Philippian prison. The book of Philippians is amazing because the word joy appears in it something like 15 times in just four short chapters. That would be amazing enough, except we get to the background and find out that he was in jail at the time of this letter. No, we say goodbye with thanks. Verse 4, we say goodbye with prayer. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Can we be committed to pray for one another? You know full well that this time next week, I'll be thinking, I wonder what's going on down south. And, uh, but we want to commit ourselves to pray for you. This church is amazing. And as we come and pray together and pray for one another, how extraordinary the potential and, the, and the, the potency of this amazing work of God. And today, of course, we're grateful to God. We're grateful to all who've come before us, not least Ralph Inskip here um, today who purchased this building many years ago and his incredible work. And Ralph, I think of it just like a relay race. We're all part of the same team. And we all receive the reward. And Ralph ran well 25 years or something here. The man of God is with us today here. And without what he had done, there wouldn't be any of this. There wouldn't be any of this. And without what Glenn did after him, there wouldn't be any of this. And without what Jane and I have done, there wouldn't be any of this. And without what Phil's going to do, there won't be any of this. But it's all because of the team. Prayer. We say goodbye with prayer. We say goodbye with purpose. Verse 5. He says, I'm praying for you because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. The reason why this change is happening at the church at this time is because of the purpose of God. Some churches bury their minister. They do. It's happened in Cambridge this year. Where the guy in charge fell down, had a heart attack and died. Now this isn't encouraging news for Phil. Less, less amusing perhaps. Some churches remove their minister because of immorality or theft or went off and had a hotel night with one of the secretaries of the church. That's not how it's ending. It's ending with the will of God. It's ending with purpose. It's ending with the the almighty hand turning the page. And finally, it's ending with confidence. 
Verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Paul is leaving these Philippians in God's capable hands. Paul began the work. You read about it in Acts 16 when he went to Philippi and preached there. In fact, he ended up in prison there too. So Paul went there and preached the gospel and it was the place where some strange demon-possessed girl followed him around. I want to give thanks to God, by the way, here in public, I'm not afraid to say it. Just this week, the enemy has tried to attack this church on two occasions and he has been outwitted on both occasions. There is a foe. He is cunning, Genesis 3 verse 1. Crafty. But he's been outwitted by righteousness and a stand for truth and prayer. Under our feet, Paul was confident as he had planted the church and then had to leave them. That actually God was the one who'd planted it. That God was the one who was doing the work and therefore God was the one who was going to complete it. And all leaders, and Phil, this is encouraging for you, it's been encouraging for me, we have to have this mentality that it looks like we're doing it, but actually God's doing it all. It looks like we're laying down a foundation, but actually the foundation is Christ. And it looks like we're building the church, and yet Jesus said, I will build my church. And so hear the word of the Lord today. From the lips of God himself, I will build my church. The forces of Hades won't be able to prevail against it. We need to press in and see just a a mighty move of God. I was sat this week with some very senior leaders of great experience. And they were talking about, really just talking about how, you know, things ain't what they used to be. And they're right. They're not. They're better now. They were talking about, well, it's not the same. And we used to feel the presence of God. And we used to experience this. And you don't anymore. And I'm a bit like that guy from the end of Job. You know, the young one. Who doesn't feel he wants to interrupt these respected men. But in the end, I felt, no, I'm going to just say something. And I said, excuse me, I just want you to know. And I want you to be encouraged. This country still does know the touch of God. The presence of God is still in the churches where the Lord is hungered for. I said, I was at a meeting Sunday evening of this week that I don't even want to tell you about. Where the touch of God was in the place. And so you might think, well, you know, I remember the old days. Well, the Bible says, don't say that the old days were better. The Bible says that in the book of Proverbs. And you know what? The touch of God is in the churches. The touch of God is in this church. The the anointing of God is in this place. And that touch of God is here not because of righteousness. It's not because of great preaching. It's because of hunger. And if we will hunger and thirst, we shall be filled. Jesus said, if any man be thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So the question is, are we thirsty? Are we thirsty? It's not about new ideas. 
It's about the same old holy oil being poured out upon the people of God. I've heard so many seminars now about it's time for the church to get out the box. I want the church actually occasionally just to get back in the box. No, we need to get out of the box. Well, we might need to get out of the box, but let's not get out of the book. The secret is nothing new. The secret is something very, very old. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The secret of church growth. It's not not some new thing. The secret of church health. It's not some new thing. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's the honoring of the Word of God equally with the presence of God. Many years ago, I used to cry to God for revival. I visited places where the move of God was very strong and I was pastoring in Torquay at the time and I wanted that move of God in my church and to a degree we did experience it. The fire of God was on me and uh, no one knew quite what to do with me. I'm going a long way back now. So they did what they do with anyone who they don't know what to do with in the church, put him in charge of the youth. Now, I don't know if you look at me, look, I'm anointed for youth. I wasn't, I wasn't then, I'm not now. You give me a table tennis bat, I don't know if I'm put, put on my foot. or well. They're all going on about sport, I don't know what you're talking about. Can we talk about darts? I don't know what to do with them. But I had a little oil. And so I got the youth together. I said, it's great to have you all here. They're all teenagers. And I just didn't know what to do with these kids. But I did, know the, I did know the Holy Spirit. So I said, why don't we just lift our hands and we'll pray. And I prayed for them and the fire of God fell on them. And for six months, we experienced a move of God in the youth club. So much so, that people started to, suspiciously I might add, want to come and help. Who hadn't wanted to help before. The greatest meeting, I know I'm biased, of course I'm biased, you can, you can analyze that later, but the greatest meeting of the week was the youth club night. I would arrive, I tell you, it's brilliant, you had no preparation at all. Just come in, Lord, will you come and move upon them? And suddenly, the ro- in a second, the room, the atmosphere would change. And God would impact these, these, these kids. They got so on fire for God, this was in the days when there were meetings all the time. They would show up Sunday morning, show up Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And then at 8 o'clock, they would leave the building and go and pray somewhere else. A third meeting. And I remember one time leaving the church, we went up and prayed in a field near the church. While we were praying in the field, in a public field, the fire of God fell on them. A demon came out of one of the youth right on the floor in the dark in a field. What we need is nothing new. We need the old. We need the old. The same old, new style, new look, new music, new forms of communication. I'm into all of that. The biggest part of the congregation of this church is on the internet now. It's all good stuff. But what we need most of all is the old, the old flame, the fire of God. And I was praying about this, and this is what I wanted to tell you as I finish. 
I remember one time praying, oh Lord, I want the move of God. And then one night I was just driving in the car quite near the church, funnily enough. In fact, it was almost right outside the church building. And I was driving, I've never had a posh car, so I was driving in one of my bangers up Babacom Road in Torquay. And while I was driving up Babacom Road, suddenly, and I'm glad I don't drive quickly, otherwise it could have been awful, a girl decides she is going to commit suicide and she runs in front of my car for me to run her over right outside the church. It's like a Friday night, dark, you know, like half past ten at night, something like that. And right in front of my car is a girl so despaired of life, 20 years old perhaps, 25, so despaired of life, she's had enough. And she runs into the road, looking at me as though to say, please, run me over, kill me. I stopped. I tried to talk to her. These were in the, I was much younger then and all sorts of policies would stop this now. But I said, why don't you get in the car and talk to me? Perhaps that wasn't a good idea then. It's certainly not a good idea now. And she ran away. In the end, I tried to follow her, but all a bit odd. I phoned the police. The police came and I saw them look after her. So thank God. But when I looked into that girl's eyes, and of course you know, don't you, from memory how we all work, you know, don't you, that as I'm telling this, I can see the scene now. It's a snapshot coming right back into my mind. When I looked into that girl's eyes, I understood that's why we need revival. Not to entertain Christians. The reason our meetings need to be full of power it's not so that people can go away having been entertained by the latest charismatic clown. We need God to be at work because there are people like that right now out here in this city right now. In fact, we've had contact with two of them in the last week. People somewhere in this sphere. That's why we need revival. That's why we need to come together and pray. This is why the purpose of God needs to be unfolding because of the desperate need. People need the Lord, don't they? And I believe that the future here is just going to be absolutely extraordinary. I've offered my own services and Jane as well as an ongoing apostolic support to the church for as, for as many years as this church would like. And I'm excited to think what's going to happen here. And I mean it. This is what an old pastor is supposed to say. But it's true. It's going to be astonishing. But continue to hunger and thirst. After the presence of God. Value the word of God. And the spirit of God. Value that. What, hap the, what happens sometimes in here. And sometimes downstairs does not happen everywhere. And as I sat this week talking to those two more senior guys, that couldn't have been more true. Because they hadn't seen it or felt it for many a year. 
And I'd felt it Sunday night. So we hunger for the Holy Spirit. We say goodbye. We allow the page to turn. With God's purpose. Being confident of this very thing. That he who began this great work. Will complete it. And you know what? I reckon we ain't seen nothing yet. Many years ago. If you went to the cinema. Well you weren't in Assemblies of God many years ago. If you did that. But um, but if you went to the cinema. We were taught that if you were in the cinema. And the Lord came. You'd be left behind. I always want to say. What about if the Lord likes the film? What about if it's the sound of music? Would that be all right? I'm not talking about Death Wish 4, but, but many years ago in the cinema, uh, they used to show two movies. They'd show the B movie and the A movie, yes? Some of you remember this? I was a, when I was 10 years old or whatever, I, I was obsessed with Star Wars. I saw it 11 times at the cinema, which also involved seeing the other movie with it as well. That was painful. You get the B movie and then you get the A movie. Hear the word of the Lord today. We've just been in the B movie up to now. And the A movie is yet to come. The real wonderful things are yet to come. May God turn the page and bring us all into something amazing in him. So how do we say goodbye? With thanks to God. With thanks to all you good people. Without whom we wouldn't be here now. I think of the great servants of the church. The tall Sri Lankan Wesley. Without him. This church wouldn't be here today. His acts of service. Behind the scenes. And so I give this final. Moment of my time here today. To commend and to cheer on and to bless all the behind the scenes people here today. The people that Phil can call or email or Facebook and say, can you do something? And you will always say yes. You are uh, the foundation of any great church. And I encourage you to be part of that number. If he asks you to show up at seven, please come at quarter to. If he asks you, can you help with this, as much as it's possible, say yes. We've had a policy in our home, no to overwork, but yes to servanthood. Make that your policy too. No to overwork. You can't run 16 ministries. I know that because we've done it. But yes to servanthood every time. Because it is the the way of the Lord, isn't it? There's a final prayer that Paul prays at the end of Philippians 1. And uh, this is what it says. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more. In knowledge and depth of insight. What a great prayer. That love may abound. More and more in knowledge and depth of insight. 
so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let this be our prayer today as we just have a bit of fellowship together. May our love abound more and more. So I just want to finish by reading these verses again because for Jane and for me, every line here is true. It was true for Paul and the Philippians and it's true for us and you. We thank God and we will thank God every time that we remember you. In all our prayers for all of you, We will always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that the God who began a good work in you will carry it on and complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.